Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. And uh, well, October is Pastors Appreciation Month. So we thought we would have area pastors come in and sit down and tell us how they're losing their mind. I mean, uh, share with us what the Lord is telling them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I am so delighted to have this gentleman with us today. Uh, Pastor Greg Spires is with us uh, from the uh, First Baptist Church here in in Medford in Southern Oregon. His journey to becoming a pastor is an amazing one, and I do want him to share that. But you can go to fbcmedford.org is the website. There's a picture of their landing page and uh, very resourceful. You can uh, get a lot there and stream and watch the services. Good yeah. stuff. How are you, man? Good to You're see great. you. Great. Thanks for coming yeah, out. No, I'm glad to be here. How long have you been there now? You know, 2009 is kind of when we started serving there. So, really? Yeah, it's gone quick. Your, your journey to pastor uh, um, is amazing because I remember you telling me years ago that you really prayed to become pastor of First Baptist Church. Well, it was, you know, I grew up in that church, which I think might be unique. Uh, for many people's experience, to be serving in pastor as a pastor in the church that I was baptized in when I was eight years old, that my parents attended when they were in high school, uh-huh. and so that's very unique. And so, always in the back of my mind, as I thought about going into ministry, I thought, "Wow, I wonder if I would ever serve here." And of course, that seemed like a pretty small possibility, but through just the way things worked out, it ended up happening in, uh, in 2009, started serving there. Well, yeah, good for you. Yeah, we love it. And uh, it's been growing and going, and it's been quite the concern. Now you're dealing with all the things of being a pastor. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah did we, you, how, how did you handle COVID? How did you guys handle it? You know, I don't know. We uh, flipped a coin, tried to figure it out. I don't know if there was a, a right or wrong answer, because there's a lot of different approaches to it. We did take some time off of meeting on Sundays, and then Started meeting again relatively soon after that with smaller groups. And uh, then as soon as we thought it was uh, appropriate to do so, we, we got back at it. And, uh, and, and really that was a, a speed bump in what God was doing at our church. So we're, we're grateful that's in our, our rear view mirror. Good. <laughs> um, is pastoring what you thought it would be? No, I, th- I think like with anything, if, if from looking at the outside, you see about the 1% of it. And, and then when you... I mean, after all, you only work on Sundays. That's right? Right? Just work Sundays for 20 <laughs> minutes, tell some jokes, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what a lot of people might misunderstand about pastoring is maybe the emotional engagement of it. You know, it's, it's pretty routine, you know, even in a week like this week to be talking and working with people and, and mourning with people who have lost loved ones and... Uh, celebrating with people who are welcoming new babies. And so you can go in any given day from celebrating with somebody to grieving with, to grieving with somebody. And, and sometimes maybe it seems like it might become routine. But, but you notice after a while, wow, that starts to sort of stack up a little bit. And, and I think that's where the, the toll. You know, I always, the joke I make is I'm not digging ditches. You know, so thankfully the work I do is not something that's physically demanding. Uh, however, there is a, a toll emotionally that I think anybody in ministry or what we might call helps work, social workers, these kind of, of labors, it, it does, you do carry some of those uh, emotional weights with you. Yeah. 
You know, since COVID, it's been said everything has changed and there's a heaviness that's come over the world. We, we feel the heaviness. COVID was kind of like the beginning of it. Now, if you look at even today's headlines with what's happening in Israel, are you sensing that with people? You know, I think uh, it comes and goes. You know, the way I think humans tend to work is, is we, we think in really short time frames. And so when we're dealing with something like uh, the pandemic or when we're dealing some, with something like uh, world conflict and armed military conflicts, as we're seeing now in the news, we, we get into this bubble of, well, this is how it is, and, and stress builds and anxiety mm -hmm. builds. Uh, but it's, it's funny how quickly, once that moves away, we forget some of the lessons we were supposed to take away from that. And, mm -hmm. and, and we're always trying to get back to our routine. I think that's what, what people are doing. But, um, but it did, of course, we see in our culture, things have changed. It's different for employers coming out of COVID. It's, a lot of things have changed. And people are, maybe, maybe I might say, are, are still adjusting to how the world works now. So we're we trying to find a new normal? We maybe, yeah, but I don't know. When I look at my scripture, I don't know if there is normal. Uh, <laughs> Jesus says, uh, "Here's what the world is going to be doing until I return." And uh, you know, to sum it up, sort of cynically, it it gets worse before it gets better. And uh, and normal for Christians is trying to figure out what does it mean to live a life brings honor to our Savior, regardless of what uh, the world is doing. Because part of the thing that we, we sense here at the Dove is that people are beginning to ask some basic questions. Is there a God? Does He really yep. love me? And, and I often thought in the pastorate, our people, our pastors or you, starting to sense from people, they're starting to say, what is it that I really do believe? Yeah. Are you sensing that? They are. And I think what, what people do, and of course we're talking in very broad categories. People mm -hmm. respond individually. But what we have is we have, here's what I, I think God is up to. And here's what's happening in the world. And those two things seem to be contradicting each other. Right. I didn't think this was going to happen. Yeah, you know, right. That's what a lot of people say. Well, I, I'm following the Lord, and I love the Lord, and I'm attending church, and I'm reading my Bible. But I didn't think cancer was an option, or grieving a spouse was an option, or uh, world conflict in the Middle East was an option. And all of a sudden, their expectations are sort of falling apart. So I, I don't know that I see so much people saying, is there a God? It's more, what is God up to? And I'm not sure if I'm okay with it. I, I didn't know he was going to do this. And had I known, you know, I don't know if he and I would be, would be friends. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm using yeah. shorthand for how yeah. people are expressing it. Is, I didn't know he was going to do this. And I, I didn't know that this was one of the options. So doesn't that put theology into question? Where is this in the Bible, right? Right. Yeah, well, in fact, there was a passage I just wanted to touch on, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, in, in John 19, there's this really, I think it's an amazing scene where Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Jesus has already been flogged. And, and Pilate is looking for a way to get Jesus freed. He's a little concerned that this could go really sideways on him. And, and he's looking for a way to free Jesus. So he's sort of interrogating Jesus about things to, to look for a loophole. How do I get... Jesus off the hook here uh, for political reasons, not for any other reason. And Jesus won't answer him. He's just standing there quietly. And Pilate finally says to him, don't you know I have the authority to set you free or to crucify you? And now what's really interesting about this, Pilate's already admitted that Jesus has been captured illegally, mm -hmm. that he's not being held for any legal reasons. It's, there's, Jesus should be set free. And Pilate admits there that he has the political authority 
to execute people at his discretion, innocent or not. He right. has that authority. I think what's really compelling about Jesus' response to Pilate is he doesn't argue the point. Mm. He, he doesn't say, no, you don't. No. Yeah, he doesn't start a petition. It's funny. He says, well, yeah, the authority you have was just given to you from above. And, and so what Jesus sort of concedes in the moment, yeah, you do, in fact, have authority. That authority comes from God, though. Pilate's using it for evil purposes. Right. What I love about Jesus' response is he is completely unfazed by this travesty of justice, injustice. He's, yeah, you have authority, came from God. Pilate's exertion of his authority in evil ways was not derailing what God was up to. Mm. And, and so what I might suggest is when you look at Jesus in that moment, facing cruel injustice, facing suffering, he'd already been flogged once and he's about to be crucified. He, this is not an outcome he preferred in terms of the suffering. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's under great duress. Nonetheless, standing in front of Pilate, the word I like to use for his disposition is he's unfazed. He's, he's unfazed. One author described it this way. It's somebody standing in the middle of a hurricane and you know, they're just letting the wind blow. Right. But, the, but the hurricane is not their problem. And, I look at, and so what I like to do is contrast what we see in Jesus in that moment. And as believers, we can sort of put ourselves into what are the things we are facing instead of Pilate. You know, we have a culture which, of course, is for the most part abandoned biblical principles. Right. We have political issues that cause us a lot of concern. We have world conflict. And, and then we have, as we did several years ago, the pandemic. And I don't know if I would describe Christians broadly, including myself, mm -hmm. as unfazed. Yeah. I, I, what I often describe it as is, is the... Uh, the, the Kermit the Frog response. I don't know if you remember the Muppet <laughs> Show. And uh, I, don't think, I don't know if you aired that on the Dove at all. But no, no, no uh, not today. <laughs> not, uh, and uh, whenever something went wrong on stage, if you remember what Kermit the Frog did off stage as the director, he would throw his arms up in the air and scream and run in circles. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I think that might be a more apt description of how we respond to the world instead of Christ's response, which is this unfazed, yeah, you do what you're going to do, but that's not going to get in the way of what I'm up to. Mm. And that's what I think as Christians we should be evaluating. As, the, as these things happen in the world, we look at the news, uh, we look at the circumstances of our life, our community, the culture. Am I, am I like Christ in that regard? Or am I like, I hate to say it, am I like Kermit the Frog? I'm sort of losing my mind. Right. And, um, and I, I might suggest we have some, some opportunity to grow in that area. So that, that leads with two things. Uh, one is uh, our understanding of Scripture. Maybe we were taken by surprise because we didn't know that these things would occur. Right. We're taken by surprise because maybe we're really not that close to the Lord to feel secure in the instability of the world. Yeah. I mean, so does this draw us closer? It should, but does yeah. it? Right. Well, so what, what it requires us to do is evaluate our priorities. So what happened, and of course this has happened before. This is why the Jews, for the most part, this is why they rejected Christ as Messiah. They anticipated the Messiah would accomplish very specific things for them. Right. And of course, in that regard, he was very disappointing. Mm -hmm. He didn't get rid of Rome. Uh, he didn't institute a more uh, profound temple worship. Uh, he came in and suffered and died, which is very frustrating for them. And so because God didn't meet their expectations, uh, they rejected, rejected him as God. So their priorities were not the, the kingdom of God, 
which was to bring redemption to not just the Jews but to all humankind, their priority was what they wanted the kingdom of God to do for them. And so whenever our, our priorities aren't the kingdom of God, and when God doesn't meet our expectations, we get really frustrated. So if my priority is to make a really good living, not a bad thing. I should want to meet the needs of my family and be able to give generously to my community. But when God decides not to let me make a good living, uh, it's pretty normal for all of us to say, what are you doing, God? Mm -hmm. I thought you told me you would bless Christians. I, th I thought if I prayed and I said no to sin that's really bad, uh, I thought you would bless me. And now I've lost my job. And so we get frustrated because God hasn't met our expectations. So what we have to do to have this, what we see in Christ, this unfazed resilience in the face of a culture that's abandoned God, our priorities have to be the same as Christ, which puts the purposes of the kingdom first, not our own purposes, our own agenda. And that, that requires a lot of, uh, the, you know, the, the Puritans call this mortifying the flesh, borrowing from the scripture. The willingness to say, it's not about what I want, it's, it's what is the kingdom doing? And that may involve suffering. In that line, uh, Pastor Greg, is that we have seen, um, well, how can I phrase this? I think it's like over the last 18, since COVID, let me put it that way, maybe a little past COVID, mm -hmm. the last 18 months or so, we've seen 18 major denominations split. Right. And it's over primarily wanting the gospel to accept something that the gospel is clearly against. And so there is a separation, separation of the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, and that's bringing into focus, what is it that I really do believe? And so it's, I think maybe what you're saying, and I'm hearing us even begin to deal with, are we really willing to change our focus from my kingdom to his? Right. That's a struggle. It is. And what happens, so that's a really good um, insight because it reveals to us how we decide what's true. Because every Christian would say, the reason how I decide what's true is what the Bible teaches. I mean, I mean, every Christian's been taught for the most part. Yeah. I, I believe what the Bible teaches, but and, and but the, we don't know what it teaches. But we <laughs> yeah, we don't it. read it as much as maybe we ought to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but what what really happens? Because and I'll, let me just mention just a couple of examples if we have time. What really leads to bad theology is not improper teaching. Generally, it's these missed expectations. So just a couple of examples. So in the Old Testament, Moses was up on the mountain getting the law. I remember this. And then the Israelites were down waiting. It took like 40 days. And the Israelites got anxious. So again, opposite of Christ. They're not unfazed. They get very worried. And they say to Aaron, we don't know what's going on with Moses. He's probably dead. And so what we ought to do is we should have a God that doesn't kill Moses. We, should, we, should, we need a better God than this. And yeah. so what do they do? They create... Uh, a golden calf, right. and they they and they worship it. So, where did their bad theology come from? Did it come from false teachers? No, there wasn't any. They were out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. There's no internet to log into and, and see some bizarre video. Their anxiety created this. We don't like what God's up to, so let's figure out a, our, our, our way. way, our way, our way. So their bad theology came out of they didn't like what God was up to. And this happened over and over again. They ran out of water, and they said, well, let's stone Moses and go back to Egypt. Yeah. Well, but God had told them they would be, go to the Promised Land. So their, their theology wasn't informed by what God had said, His Word. It was their circumstances made them feel all this fear. This fear comes in, I'm worried, I don't know what God's up to, so I'm going to rework what I think about what, 
what's God's up to. So that's where when you see these splits among Christians, which is tragic if it's not really over the truth, it, it usually has to be, we have to take a stand on this particular issue, which is a, a pet issue of mine. Uh, and, and because I'm worried about it, I'm going to drive that as what matters mm-hmm. for theology. So right. what we do is instead of just understanding, what does the Bible tell us about Christ and His work to save people? If we have a different view on approach to the environment, approach to politics, approach to uh, how the roles of a mom and a dad in a family you know, what, what's the dad do? What's the mom do? We're, we start dividing over things which are in, really important, but they're not the same as, is Jesus God? And is Jesus raised from the dead? They're important, but not fundamental. We start splitting over some really strange things, that which is, we've seen a lot of. That's good stuff. Let me take a quick break. So delighted to have with us uh, today uh, Pastor uh, Greg Spires. He's the uh, lead pastor there at the First Baptist Church in Southern Oregon. Been there since 2009, doing a great job, raised in the church. Now he's pastor of the church. You can go to fbcmedford.org. That's their website. There's a picture of their landing page. And if you're looking for a good home, there's one right there. And you can stream it right there. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, and uh, in recognition of October being Pastors Appreciation Month, we're having some area pastors come in, and I'm delighted. It's been way too long since I've had uh, Pastor Greg Spires in. He's the lead pastor here at the First Baptist Church in Southern Oregon. By the way, your radio program's on the dub yeah. radio. Yeah. What's, what's the name of it? Lasting Hope. That's Nine, right. 9.30 in the morning on Sundays, uh, a program we've put together using the sermons from, uh, from our church. Yeah, thank you for being there. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, people love you. Oh, that's good. I appreciate that. And when they call me, I say, yeah, he really is a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time. Anyway, you can go to uh, fbcmedford.org. Mm-hmm. That's the website, fbcmedford.org. We're talking about a variety of things. Uh, and by the way, uh, let me say to all of you who have go to church, and you should, and belong to a church, Scripture's pretty clear about that. Show some great appreciation to your pastor. It's one of the toughest jobs in the world. All you folks at FBC, uh, give them a large offering and send them to Hawaii for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's funny about our church, Barry, is, uh, you know, just to be honest, they don't need a, a pastor appreciation month. They've, we always, all of our staff, we just feel very, very fortunate to be able to, to serve the Lord at a church like FBC. It's very, yeah. very fun. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of fun, probably too much fun. Well, that's all right. You guys do a great job. Beautiful facility. Um, do you <clears throat> sense we are in the end times? You know, I, I, maybe I say it jokingly, but uh, it's kind of like driving in the car with your kids. You know, when you're getting somewhere and they say, are we almost there that, There yet? I, the answer is we're closer than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it tomorrow or 2,000 years from now? There's no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, what the Bible calls us to, in fact, what our Savior calls us to, if you read Matthew 24, Matthew 25, where he talks about significant events, especially in the Middle East, as we're seeing in the news, he calls us to watchfulness and readiness. 
He wants us to be watchful for when he's going to return. He wants us to be ready. But he, he frames that in very clear terms by telling us a couple of parables. He tells us a parable of some servants that are given a job, and they're supposed to be busy about that work. Occupy. Yeah, and then he gives them a, the parable of the young women going to the wedding, of readiness. Do you have your oil ready? So the way I like to put this in shorthand is the way we're watchful, the way we're ready, according to our, our Lord and Savior, is we're so busy about the work of the kingdom that when he shows up, it's an interruption. Um, <laughs> so to turn on the news, see conflict in the Middle East, and grab your favorite cold beverage, sit on your porch and stare at the eastern horizon, has completely missed the point. That's not readiness. That's missing the point. Readiness is looking at the news saying, wait a minute, what Jesus said was true about birth pangs. It's going to keep getting more and more intense as we get closer to the end. That should move in us a, a motivation to say, is my life marked by an intentional effort to be about the business of the kingdom of God? What does it mean as a parent, as a, as a grandparent, as a worker, as an employer, to make my life mean something for the kingdom of God? And if Jesus showed up today, would it be an interruption or would it be um, more of the same? That's a great point because I was trying to figure out how to ask the question, are we, if we believe these are clearly more signs, we don't know when, but they are clearly biblical signs, why doesn't that foster in us a sense of urgency to evangelize? You know, humans, you know, humans have been the same since the fall. Uh, there's some things we really, really uh, prioritize. Number one, we want to enjoy the things we hunger for. We want good food, lots of comfort, and pleasures. And we want to avoid uh, things that we don't like, mostly suffering. We, we want to, uh, to avoid those things. That's just built into us as fallen human beings. And, and so we see things that point towards the end times, like conflict in the Middle East. That's, it's terrible. If, if you look at the images that are coming out of mm -hmm. what has happened there, if, I think anybody who sees what's happening should experience some level of distress. I mean, it's very distressing. And what we immediately want to do, we want to make that distress stop. Mm -hmm. So how do I, now I feel bad, I feel sad, angry, upset, anxious, whatever. I want to make that feeling stop. Whereas the person who's kingdom-minded says, this is the reality of the world. How do I, in this moment where things aren't going right, how do I continue to, to be focused on what God has called me to do. What does it mean to, to share the gospel? Not just you know, drop a track on a, on a table, but how do I operate in my workplace so that when people see me, they're motivated even themselves to come and ask me, as it says in, in Peter, that they come to us and say, I need to know why you're hopeful. Yeah. We're, I'm, we're all watching the same news. And, and I can tell it bothers you too, but you still have some hope in there. Yeah, give a reason for the hope. Yeah, and, um, and a lot of times I think maybe as Christians, because we get so wound up over the, the news of the day, we're not showing people we still have hope. You know, so why would somebody come to us and ask for us yeah. for the hope that's in us if, if they don't see it? <laughs> if we're just as worried about the world as they are. Yeah. What, so, um, what's the Lord telling you? What, what's, what's on your plate? What's What's, uh, what's your message? Well, I think, you know, coming off of what we're just talking about today, I look at, at the, again, my concern is for Christians today, in just in, in how we operate um, 
on social media. You know, as a Christian, the last time you looked at your news feed and looked at posts from people in your church or your realm, sphere of influence, is it marked by this unfazed nature of Christ, or is it marked by anxiety? So, uh, you remember there was a scene where the disciples were in the boat and it was a storm. And they were concerned they were going to die, which was a very real possibility. And of course, Jesus was napping. And again, just that contrast, I would argue that most of us as Christians, we would operate just like those disciples did. You know, mm. and Jesus is napping and he's, when he's awoken, he's surprised. Uh, what's the big deal? Because what's the worst that could happen to the disciples in that moment? Well, the boat would sink and they would all die. But that's not a big deal when you're with the author of life. Yeah. <laughs> Death is not a, like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, a, another great example of this that I wish as believers we could grab onto is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't worship the statue. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar said, no, you better worship the statue, and otherwise I'll throw you into the, the furnace. And I love their response. Uh, they said, um, you know, God has the ability to save us from your furnace. However, if he doesn't, we're still not worshiping your statue. I mean, that's just right. not going to happen. Right. So you can chuck us in the furnace. What we're willing to do is give our fate over to the hands of God because we think he outranks you. And I just wish we as believers could operate with that kind of mindset where we say, you know what? We would prefer if the world wasn't the way it is, but we're going to trust that we're in God's hands. And, and, and I think as believers, honestly, to avoid having our theology skewed by our anxiety, we have to be willing to look at our own hearts. When I'm, when I'm looking at the news, if I'm getting angry, if I'm getting an ulcer, if I need, to, if I need a stiff drink, I, what's going on in my heart? Mm -hmm. Why am I letting the world decide how I am? I, sh I shouldn't let the world do that. And, and uh, that's an individual thing, but that's where we let Scripture really challenge our hearts. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, I've got about a minute left. Let yep. me ask you one quick question. How do you control anger? You know, there's a lot to it. Number one, you've got to give that to the Lord in repentance. So anything where we're dealing with the inner person, you, that's going to require the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. He needs to change our hearts. So we turn that over to the Lord with repentance. Uh, there's also accountability. I need to talk with people. How do I allow people to see into my life and speak into me if I'm being short, having bitterness, all those kinds of things. You know, another thing that people neglect when it comes to anger, because some of that comes out of stress, lack of ability to control the world, is how am I eating? How am I sleeping? Am I taking care of my body? Stress builds up in the body. So there's, there's a lot of ways to approach that from a, that a person should think about. The biggest thing, though, is with all the sins of the heart, we need the, we need the Spirit to change us. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. Go to the Lord say, Lord, forgive me again today. Change my heart. Thanks for coming in. Hey, my pleasure, Perry. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And thanks for being uh, your program on the Dove. Let me say to fbcmedford.org is the website. If you're in Southern Oregon and you're looking for a good church, here's one. It's been well established through the years. And uh, Pastor Greg's doing a wonderful job. He and his church there to serve you. You can uh, stream it on Sunday morning. Check it out that way. FBCMedford.org. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for having Keep me. Keep up the good Appreciate glory. it, Perry. And uh, all right, FBC, send them to Hawaii for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.